Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you my ransom, my ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Hallelujah. Let's hear the word of the Lord. In Luke 24, 5, the Bible says, The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered what, that he had said this. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Which Day of the Week Are You Focused On? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your love and your spirit. God, thank you for bringing us into this place today. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Lord, I pray that you would heal the brokenhearted. God, I pray you'd save the lost and deliver the backslider. God, I pray you'd be our teacher now by your spirit from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Which day of the week are you focused on? Let's just pretend we're in Wednesday night Bible study. And listen, everybody's invited to Wednesday night Bible study. It's my favorite uh, time of teaching because... There's a small group of us, and we really dig into it, but let's just pretend we're in Wednesday night Bible study, which is an open discussion, interactive format, and let's see, anybody have a favorite day of the week? Anybody? Friday. Anybody got a favorite day of the week? It's not Friday. Wednesday. Sunday. Anybody else? We got no Monday people out there? Everybody hates Monday together? (laughs) We're going to try to look at this from a scriptural perspective this morning, and we're going to look at the importance of a few different days and see which one of these days that you are truly focused on. Now, as we come together to celebrate Easter this morning, uh, there's only two types of people in the world. Uh, That's that's Christians and non-Christians. That's uh, the world tries to divide us in every segment that they can, but they, they, they try to do it first racially. They try to divide white people against black people. Uh, they should have figured out by now that the people of God understand that racists don't go to heaven, and God said every tribe, every, every nation, every kindred, every tongue will be represented in heaven, so we, 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 we don't fall for that game. Then, then they try to divide us politically, get the Democrats hating the Republicans, the Republicans hating the Democrats, the independents just throwing up on everybody. Uh, and, 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 but then there's a few of us that are smart enough to realize that changes every four or eight years. And, and whatever guy's in there now is going to be gone eventually. And the president of America might be on Pennsylvania Avenue, but our leader, our God, our king is firmly seated in heaven never to be removed. And so they can't get us with that strategy. But there are saved people and there are lost people. And, and if you're here and you're saved, I hope Easter has a deeper meaning to you than it does for many of our unsaved friends and neighbors throughout the world. See, for many people, the three most significant things about Easter, and it's so funny because I, I talk to Jake, my, my 21-year-old Marine, every day, some, almost uh, six, at least six out of seven days a week. Sometimes, you know, he's, he's on a weird shift. 
But last night we were talking, and he said, Dad, are you going to talk about Easter Bunny, new clothes, and going to church? I said, I might work it in. But literally, Easter, in most people's minds, revolve around those three things. And in that order, although the third one is fading. But for so many years in America, uh, the significance to Easter was the Easter Bunny. And God have mercy on the churches that are promoting that as the event that's going on today. But if you need to know who they are, give me a call. We'll talk about it. But there are churches all across America today that have the Easter Bunny and Olin Mills in their foyer. And they're letting your family take pictures with the Easter Bunny. And they have a little basket for the kid to hold. And you get a free 8 by 10 for coming to church. Oh, Pastor, that's a good idea. We could trick people. We could manipulate people. We could fool them into coming to church for a free picture. Well, the, the only problem with that is that's not how the Bible says to grow the church. And I don't want to see. See, Olin Mills is giving you a, that 1, 8 by 10. Why? Somebody with a brain. So you buy that $500 package. <laughs> and we, I'm not mad at the Easter Bunny. Uh, I'm not mad at new clothes. I, I was thinking about that this morning as I was ironing this shirt. I... Because there's, so, there's at least a handful of people that were thinking, I wonder if he'll wear a tie. I wonder if he's going to have a jacket on. Think he'll wear a suit. As I was ironing this shirt, I was thinking about the Easter Bunny new clothes and going to church, and I looked at this. And I'm like, oh, why would I buy a new shirt? I love this shirt. I bought this shirt in 2007, and it still fits. <laughs> How many years is that, math genius? It's 16 years. But I'm not mad at people who get new clothes. Uh, do, do, do you. I, I'm certainly not mad at the candy that is being pushed to the front of every grocery store and Walmart or, or, and, and Walgreens in America. I didn't get this fat not eating candy. I'm not mad at candy. I'm not mad at the Easter Bunny. I'm not mad at new clothes. I'm certainly not mad at people going to church. I don't have a problem with any of those things, but those aren't the things that make Easter significant to me. And, and I hope there's some people of like mind. As Christians, we celebrate Easter as a time of remembering the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't do a lot of advertising and promotions at Abundant Life. We just open the doors and let whosoever will may come. Uh, and we celebrate resurrection every Sunday morning right here in this building. That's why we meet, because he's alive. Now, unsaved people are never going to understand that until they get saved. They, they, they won't understand why we do what we do. And I thought about this. This must be outrageous when you have, a, when you have saved people and unsaved people living in the same house. Because uh, the Bible says two can't walk together except they be agreed. And this must certainly cause for some questioning in the mind of the unsaved person. they got to be thinking, why would anybody give up their only day off to go back and forth to church on a Sunday. I'll tell you why. Because of the resurrection. They might think, why would anybody with a brain pray to a God that they can't see? I'll tell you again, because of the resurrection. They might wonder, why in the world would anybody give money to a religious institution called the church so that the preacher can wear brand new uh, 16-year-old shirts <laughs> on Easter Sunday? Why? Because of the resurrection. They might be thinking like last week. Why in the world would all those people. Uh, well in our case it wasn't all those people. But some people showed up to 
work on the Lord's house more than they do work on their own house, it is because of the resurrection. And if you ever realize that the true meaning of life is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll be easy to understand all those other things. I can tell you for sure. You can do what the song says. You can search all over, but you won't find anybody because there is nobody like Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you found everything. But we're talking about Easter this morning, and it should be a reminder to you about how different the Christian religion is than every other religion. Now, there are some people that debate which religion is the oldest. And certainly, there were a lot of big-name players on the planet before Jesus came and started the Christian church at Pentecost. But the Bible talks about the church that was together in the wilderness. The, The church has always been around. Adam and Eve were the church. The Bible says Jesus was the lane slam before the foundation of the world. God paid the penalty for sin before people even messed it up. See, that's a forward-thinking God. That's a God that knows everything. And uh, so there's lots of people there. There's other, other religions. Uh, but let's, let's talk about a little difference between our religion and other religions. Let's think about Islam. Islam's a huge religion. People all over the world. Muhammad is the founder of Islam. And you could go, if you had the money and the time, to the ancient city of Medina in Saudi Arabia where he died in 632, and you can find out that his body is still there. His remains are still there. His DNA is still there. It's all there for the looking. Buddhism was founded by an ancient prince who called himself Buddha, and you could go to India and dig up where he died and find out that his body is still there too. But the Bible tells us when the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ went to where he was buried, they found something different. They found out that his bones aren't there, his body isn't there, because he isn't there. He's not dead and in the ground anymore, because as the song says, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Jesus is alive. And Christianity is different from every other religion. Let's get into our text this morning. I'm going to start in Luke 24. Uh, But I'm going to read a couple of verses before where we read, before I prayed. In Luke 24, 1, just to set some context, the Bible says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Now, this was very traditional Hebrew custom that the women would bring the spices, the embalming. They would come, and they would prepare the body for its final resting place. How many of y'all know they didn't need to do that? The the Lord's final resting place was not going to be in a borrowed tomb from Joseph of Arimathea uh, over in the Middle East. The final resting place of the Lord Jesus Christ is firmly seated on the throne with his father ruling everything. But they were following their custom. And in verse 2 it says, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. If you've been around me for a while, you know what I'm going to say next because I have to say it. I want everybody to know that the stone was not rolled away so that they could get, uh, so that Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that they could get in. Jesus didn't need the stone to be rolled away to get out. The Bible tells us about him walking through walls and just appearing in places. If you're a Christian, you believe that Jesus is God come in the flesh to pay for the sins of mankind, to die on an old rugged cross, and on the third day be raised from the dead. That is 
the Christian story. But they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, this is puzzling to many historians because here is an undisputed fact. There's a lot of dispute over religion in the earth today. Here's an undisputed fact. There was a man named Jesus from Nazareth who was raised in a carpenter's home who functioned for the first 30 years of his life as a carpenter, then turned preacher, then turned healer, then turned miracle worker, God in the flesh, made the authorities mad, got killed on a Friday. When they went to look for him on a Sunday, he wasn't there. Why? Because no grave could hold him and you can't stop it. No one disputes that Jesus was a human being. No one disputes that Jesus was alive. Our very calendar is set on 2023 based on his life. His life split time into what was before him and what has been after him. Everyone on the planet believes in Jesus. He's the most written about human being in the history of the world. And the documentation on where he lived is huge tons of documentation historical documentation about this jesus that he was killed by the roman government on a cross on a friday and this is historical everybody believes in jesus everybody doesn't believe that jesus was god come in the flesh to pay for the sins of mankind buried and rose again on the third day we'll talk about that in a minute but they see the stone rolled away in verse three so they went in but they didn't find the body of the lord jesus now that's troubling say trouble That's that's got to be freaking them out because chances are the women had done this before. They, uh, you know, they they didn't just decide for the first time ever, let's let's gather up the spices. Let's go and prepare a body. Let's just practice on Jesus. It wasn't like that. These women, uh, this, this was what their custom was, and they had done this before, but they had never shown up at a grave to prepare a body. And like, oops, where'd he go? So they're standing there. Verse 4 says, As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. Verse 5 says, The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And then he says this phrase, Remember what he told you back in Galilee. I've been saying this for years, preaching to people all over the world, telling them it's not some new catchy thing that you need religiously to grab hold of. You don't need to run to something that's trendy. You don't need to find something that's viral. You just need to remember everything that God ever told you and get busy doing that. Because I'm convinced the average Christian knows more uh, about what to do for God than they're doing for God. We know more than we're putting into practice, but they had forgot. Say forgot. So they, they had forgot that what he told them in Galilee. Look at verse 7. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Now here is 
the meat of the gospel. Gospel means good news. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If someone tells you it's a gospel song, if it's not singing about the death, burial, and resurrection, it's a Christian song. Gospel always involves death, burial, and resurrection, and this is the message of Christianity. In verse 8, it says, Then they remembered he had said this. Verse 9, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. And I believe as Christians, if we want to stay on track and be who God wants us to be, we need to remind ourselves consistently about resurrection. When trouble comes your way, remember, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. When your mind is tripping on you and things don't make sense, remember there's a God in heaven that's got it all planned out, and he's bigger than death, and listen, he's bigger than rent. I've never understood people that trust God with their eternal souls but freak out about rent. Well, what if I get kicked out? Oh, somebody will take you in. Where's LaShonda at? She got 95 beds in her house. 72 kids already living there, but... Uh, I mean, somebody, listen, do you really believe that Jesus is bigger than your bills? Four people. Let me get going. I, I, I love the words to that old, old song, because he lives. See, that's why, because he lives. Why, why, why can we have hope of resurrection? Because he lives. Why can we have hope of forgiveness of sins? Because he died, was buried, and rose again. Uh, I, I love what the, the, the reality that says, um, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Now, Jesus has already been dead in, in this passage of Scripture we read. Uh, and one day, all of us who are saved are going to be raised from the dead to be with him if you have received him. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them God gives power to become the children of God. Now, I became a child of God on July 15, 1981. I don't know when you became a child of God, but if you ever ask somebody, when did they become a Christian, and they said, oh, I've always been a Christian, what do we know, church? Not a Christian. The only person that's always been a Christian is Jesus. Everybody else uh, has committed sin and needs a Savior. You might be thinking, well, who are you calling a sinner? You? The person sitting next to you, the person sitting in front of you, me, and everybody else that ever lived but Jesus. The good news is we've got a Savior that doesn't discriminate. You don't have to be six foot two, 220 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal for God to want to love you. He loves people that are five, nine and a half, cute and cuddly. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. The army said I was 5'10", but y'all know what men do when they get older. That's the one. <laughs> you heard that? That sounded personal, Deacon. That sounded like she was taking a shot at you. That's the woman's revenge. Went from five nine to five ten to five nine and a half. But God said that if you would draw close to Him, He would draw close to you. How many of y'all are glad you don't have to pass an interview? You don't have to have a credit score. You don't have to have a background check for God to love you. So 
Easter is about celebrating Resurrection Sunday. But before we can get to Resurrection Sunday, we need to talk about Friday. We need to talk about uh, the Friday that Jesus died on the cross. See, because the Friday before Easter, we call what? Good Friday. And I, I want us to understand, it's Good Friday for us. But it wasn't Good Friday for Jesus. It was difficult. It was agonizing. And for the first time in all of eternity, Jesus and the Father were separated because the Bible says that Jesus took on his body the sins of all mankind. So here's what I want you to know. If you don't hear anything else today, get this. I don't believe in getting theology from songs. Is it hot in here to anybody but me? Three people are fanning, eight people are wearing jackets. Make it two degrees colder, Dina, please. Um, see, the heat, the, the heat and the fanning threw me off. <laughs> ah, thank you. I love it when people listen. I don't recommend getting theology from songs, but there are some songs that have theology in them. And one of them is a chorus that says, when he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. You say, how can you know that you were on the mind of somebody 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world? Because the Bible says that Scott Becker's sins were placed on the body of Jesus Christ. And in that moment where Jesus took on my sins, your sins, and the sin of the whole world, the Bible says that the earth went dark. There was a transfer. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made right with God. There was a transfer. He took all that we were and gave us all that he is. And when he took the sin from us, the Bible says that God's eyes are too pure as to look on sin. And he turned and looked away from Jesus for the first time. And that's when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the Friday that we're talking about. Jesus died on Good Friday. For, before anything can uh, rise from the dead, it has to die. Now, I'm going to say this before I move on. God's plan for getting us to heaven is nothing near what I would have planned out at all. Neither is it something you would have planned out. Because God, see, if it was me and you had wronged me, well, you got to do me right. You, you, you did something bad against me. If I built you a world and you abused it and you broke my rules, you would have to, you would have to come correct for me and pay your own price. I certainly wouldn't ask that good-looking 18-year-old boy to die for you. But God said the only way that sin can be satisfied, because the Bible says there's a payment for sin, and it's death. And for thousands of years... Hebrews, true followers of Jehovah, would sacrifice animals every year to, to atone for their sins. And the Bible says that it, it one day it came that the blood of bulls and goats could no longer satisfy God, so he sent a one-time forever payment in a spotless lamb named Jesus. And this is the story of the Christian life. God said that there has to be a sacrifice for sins. Now, I don't know about you. There's people in this room that I would literally would die for, would take a bullet for. There are people in this room that would die for me, take a bullet for me. But I don't know about all y'all that are sitting down, but I can tell you about the guy you're looking at. I'm not letting my son die for ne'er one of y'all. You heard it how I felt it. Nah, mm -mm. No. But I'm not God. And God's ways are beyond finding out, the Bible says. Why would God punish his own son 
for our sins because he was the only one worthy to pay the one-time eternal price for sin, and he was willing to do it for the love of me and the love of you. And you ought to be thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Remember, when God created the earth, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that there was a man in the garden named Adam and a woman named Eve, and they, they were naked and everything was right. They were meeting with God every day. They, they were enjoying life. They were already working. Work is not punishment. Work is a blessing. And when they decided to break God's rules... A separation happened between them and God. And for God to make them right, he had to do something for them. Because there must be shedding of what? When God came to find Adam and Eve, and they were hiding, God says, why are you hiding from me? Adam said, because we were naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? Well, God knew the answer. He wanted them to say it. And so to stop them from being naked... God took the coats of animal skins and he clothed them in animal skins. And you can be sure to kill those animals and to get that skin, there was a blood sacrifice. In Romans 6.23, the Bible says, For the wages or the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pretend we're here on Wednesday night and it's open discussion night. Let, Let me ask you this. The payment for sin is what? What did Jesus do on the cross? Now, let me ask this side. The payment for sin is what? What did Jesus do on the cross? The payment for sin has been made. It, it, it is very similar to uh, if Deacon West, raise your hand, Deacon West. If Deacon West had, had a light bill, uh, Clay Electric, if Deacon West had a light bill at Clay Electric, and I was in there paying mine, and I'm like, you know what, I just love uh, Deacon West. Henry and I have been hanging out together for almost 20 years, and I love, I love this young man, and I said, you know, I just want to pay his light bill. Tell you what, I'm going to pay his light bill, not just last month, not just this month. I'm going to pay his whole light bill forever. I want you to auto debit it to me, uh, and, and his light bill would be paid. At that point, how many of y'all think he ought to thank me? Be appreciative? Now, what if he went the other way on that? I don't know who you think you are, white dude. I'm a strong, independent, bald-headed black man with muscle. Pay my own light bill. I ain't looking for you to help me. What you trying to say about me? I've been paying my light bill since before I met. And he could refuse it. And then Clay Electric, you think Clay Electric, after he says, send that money back to him, you think they're going to be like, okay, your light bill's still paid? No. Now he's got to pay. And here's a basic summary of all that. It's an analogy. I hope you can get it. The light bill is due. You can pay for it yourself. You can die and be separated from God forever. Or you can believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can accept the payment that he made for sin because that's the gift of God. You thumb your nose at it if you want to, unbeliever. You thumb your nose at it and say, I don't need a Savior. I don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short. Of God's glory. Listen to 1 Peter 3.18. Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but was raised to life in the spirit. Now, 
This, I told you everybody believes that there was a man named Jesus Christ who lived in Galilee 2,000 years ago. That's historical. It's not arguable. This is what everybody doesn't believe, that he, his death, his suffering was to pay for our sins. Everybody doesn't believe that he never sinned, but the Bible clearly teaches that, and I believe it with all my fab- every fabric in my being. But he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. Everybody doesn't believe that he was raised to life, but this is what the Scripture says. So Good Friday was a hard day for Jesus. Say hard day. Now, I'm going to show you a video in just a second. Uh, it's just a couple of minutes. Um, but what I want to say before we look at the video, the images are not historically accurate. Okay? But the concept is. Well, what are you trying to say, Pastor Scott? Same thing I've been telling you all since we started with a determination to be a multiracial, multigenerational church. Jesus was not white. One person, two people, agreed with that phrase. Y'all see how much white people need help? Watch this. More people will agree this time, but they'll, they'll clench their jaw as they say it because they're on the spot now. Jesus was not white. <laughs> Some are like, you ain't making me say it. You can say it up there and sweat all you want. No possible way that Jesus was some blonde-haired, blue-eyed, skinny, frail, sissy-looking dude hanging on a cross with a little trickle of blood coming down from his eyebrow. That's historically crazy. If anybody believes that, then, then they've got worse problems than racism. They're just flat out out of their head. They don't understand. They, I don't even know how they tie their shoes uh, to leave the house. But Jesus could not have been white. It's the wrong part of the world. There weren't white people over there. And I, I had a preacher tell me one time, I went to Israel and they're white people now. Yeah, the white people that are in Israel now were part of the great diaspora that got pushed out of Israel when Rome uh, conquered Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And they dispersed to the ends of the earth. Many of them went to Germany, married guess what kind of people? White folk and watered down. They're, 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 they're tony. They're, they're melanin. Uh, so you say, oh, hallelujah, Jesus was black. I knew it. Oh, I'm equal opportunity offender. Uh, Jesus wasn't black either. Well, let me, let me stay on the whole white sissy. I, I'm, I don't know why these artists paint Jesus as some skinny dude. I mean, the fact they got him white, they got him all wrong, but I understand that. They're racist. Uh, they, 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 they hate God's creation. Uh, but why they got him skinny? Jesus could not have been white, and he could not have been skinny. This is ridiculous. The man was a carpenter. He couldn't call Home Depot and say, hey, I, I, I need 400 two-by-fours, 300 two-by-sixes, 1,000 four-by-four. They didn't palletize wood for carpenters 2,000 years ago. These were big, strong. Well, I wish Jimmy, I know Jimmy's over there in the next room. I can show you what a man looks like that hauls wood all day long. Jimmy Carlin can tell you how big and strong you got to be to haul wood all day long. Wasn't no skinny, sissy, white boys hauling wood in the Middle East 2,000 years ago. They were stacked, swole, and brown. And I told y'all I'm equal, equal opportunity offender. So let me just say this, because I've been in homes. Uh, I've been in white homes. They had a white Jesus and 12 white apostles sitting at the Last Supper. And I'm like, I hope that's not reflective of your theology. 
I hope it's just a nice picture that makes you think about Jesus because if you're really worshiping a white Jesus, that, t- that, that tells me something. But then I've been in Hispanic homes, and guess what they got? For sure. They got, they got Jose and, 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 and Pedro, you know, Juan. They got Juan, Juan, Juan. I don't know if it's Juan Valdez. And I'm like, what in the world made you think Jesus came from Mexico? And then, and then, then all, then all, the, then all the other people are thinking, he's Puerto Rican. He's from the beautiful island. No, he's not. And then you got the militant people. They got yeah, a black Jesus, twelve black apostles, all got big afros, got, got all got picks in their hair with a fist on them, got their head, fist up in the air, saying it from their chest. Kiko has become so racist in her teenage years. She's back there with her fist in the air right now. Where's your mama? I told you. I told you. It's peer pressure. All these little kids grew up in this church, loved each other until they got 15 and decided they hated each other. Jesus didn't have an afro and his fist in the air either. Jesus was Jewish. And before... Jerusalem was overthrown, and before all the Jews were scattered to the ends of the earth to have their bloodline, there are black Jews, there are now white Jews, and there are still brown Jews. But one thing we can be sure about Jesus, he wasn't skinny. He didn't have long, blonde hair and blue eyes. He was a Hebrew before the Hebrews got pushed out and ended up having different levels of melanin in their skin. So I say all that to say these images are not accurate on this film. It's funny, though, because you're going to hear, in my estimation, one of the great voices of Christianity, uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, an African-American preacher who is one of my favorite voices to listen to of all time. And Dr. Lockridge has some of the greatest messages in the history of the world. And it's surprising to me, they took, they took this great African-American preacher and they put all these scenes of all these white people in it, but it was taken out of a movie. So was Jesus white? That's all the black people in the room. <laughs> was Jesus black? That's all the hillbillies in the room. <laughs> Could you, well, now the answer would be, I almost, I almost gave you an answer that I would have had wrong. I almost said, could Jesus habla espanol? Oh, he could, but he wasn't. <laughs> it's okay. You're going to get out of here. It's going to be over in a minute. The Bible says laughter does the heart good like a medicine. Y'all, y'all don't understand. We have a good time every time we come to church. I love this, this video. It's a couple minutes long, and here's, here's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about Good Friday. And Dr. Lockridge is one of the greatest orators of Christianity. And he preached a message one time, and they made lots of videos about it. We're going to look at one of them. And he said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. 
Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter is asleep. Judas is betrayed. But Sunday is coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilified. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary is crying. Peter is denied. But they don't know that Sunday's a coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat by Jesus. They robe him in scarf. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking the count. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirits burning. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and down. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his it's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has come, and Satan just a laugh. It's Friday, Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a cup. How many of y'all believe there's a difference between Friday and Sunday? Amen. The day we call Good Friday was the day Jesus died for us on the cross. The day we celebrate today is called Easter Sunday. It's a celebration of the resurrection of the Lord. But what about Saturday? Now, remember, I asked you, what, what, what day of the week are you focused on? What, what, what day of the week are you stuck in? What day of the week describes 
who you are. And here's where I want you to get all this together in your mind. There's not a lot of talk in the Bible about what happened on Saturday. There's tons of detailed historical information about what happened on Friday. Tons of detailed information about what happened on Sunday. Not a lot of information about what happened on Saturday. So Saturday's kind of an in-between day, a uh, day between big things, but a downer. Say downer. It's, it's a day between big things. It's a day between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, and it, it, it just feels like a, a stuck day. It feels like a what's next day. It feels like a uh, I, I'm not sure day. Sunday's the big day, resurrection, excitement. Uh, the first century church grew fast. But a lot of Christians are stuck in their lives on Friday. They, they, they know about the life of Jesus. They know about the suffering of Jesus. They know about the, 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 the death and the burial of Jesus. But to them, life is more about history than it is about victory. They know facts, figures, and informations, but they have no excitement. The Bible says true Christianity is typified by righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness being right with God. Peace in your heart for whatever comes your way. And joy in spite of your circumstances. And I want to tell you something. If you don't have a lot of overwhelming joy in your life, one of two things is true. Either you're unsaved and you don't know the one you should be joyful about, or you are saved and you're either stuck on Friday or Saturday because you're not living your life in the excitement of resurrection. Now, some people are stuck on Saturday, even though there's not a lot of information about Saturday. They, they, they know what happened on Friday, they haven't got to Sunday yet, and they feel like, what's next? A lot of them were disillusioned. The disciples were upset. They, they had given their lives to follow Jesus, and, and now he's gone, and they've forgotten, he said, that he would raise himself from the dead. So they are doing nothing. And too many people believe in Good Friday they're looking one day for resurrection, but their lives are stuck, listen, in doing nothing, existing. And I want you to hear this. Most people are existing and not living. And Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But most people are just existing. They just get up on Monday to go to work so they can pay the bills to get up on Tuesday and go to work and pay the bills and get up on Wednesday. That's not living. That's existing. That's Saturday. That's people whose lives are stuck on Saturday. Not much happening spiritually in their life. But if you're a Christian, you need to live in Sunday. You need to live with a mindset of resurrection. You need to live with a mindset of excitement. You need to live with a mindset of new life and hope, and you need to do whatever it takes in your life to keep your mind engaged in resurrection. That's why we sing songs like soon and very soon we're going to see the king. That, that's why we, we sing songs like one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm going to come back for you. 
And we need to have a Sunday mindset. See, Sunday is about celebration. Sunday is about thanksgiving. Sunday is about reflection. Sunday is about remembering how great God is, that he would love us so much that he would send his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. People that live with a Sunday mindset are happy and they tell their face. Remember the old song? It says, if you're happy and you know it. If you're happy and you know it. Well, I changed the words of that song once I started pastoring. I had no idea when I got into this uh, what pastors go through. God called me to do it, and I, I said yes. And then I got up here, and I thought, man, forget about clap your hands. Uh, the way y'all staring at me, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Some of y'all got Friday written all over your face. Well, it's over. What are we going to do now? Then some of y'all, you got got Saturday written all over your face. Sleeping in late, doing nothing. Just a day just for whatever. But real Christians need to live on Sunday. So how do we get to the place where we can acknowledge Friday, live through Saturday, and be thankful for Sunday. Well, first and foremost, you got to get saved. And I'm talking about saved for real. you got to get saved. And if you've never been truly born again by the power of God's Spirit, you need to let that happen to you. I'm not talking about joining this church. I'm not talking about becoming religious. I'm not talking about... Uh, trying to check off a box and be a good person. Jesus said you must be born again. The Bible says that because of our sin, we're separated from God, but because of Jesus, we can be made right with God. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing your heart that you're made right with God It's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved. I want you to look at that verse. It says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. There are people out there that are trying to work their way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't come to church enough. You can't give enough money. You can't sing enough songs. You can't park enough cars. You can't preach enough messages to deserve uh, to get into heaven. The Bible says it's the gift of God, and, and 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 it's not from works. See, there's two basic thoughts about religion. Every other religion except Christianity is humans trying to reach up and grab hold of God. Christianity is undeniably God reaching down from heaven to grab hold of human beings and to pull them up to where he is. It's not by the works you'll do because the Bible says... By the keeping of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't be made right with God by doing good things. Listen, if you get saved, God will help you to do good things. But it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. That's why Romans 10, 13 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, there are some Bible verses, and I've been studying this book every day for over 40 years. There are some Bible verses that just make me uh, go like Arsenio. I don't know if how many of y'all remember Arsenio Hall, but he had, a, he had a great talk show, and he, he had hands that were about this long, and he would say, things that make me go, 
hmm. But his finger was like above his head and started at his jawline. Uh, and there are some things in the Bible that, that, that make me say, hmm. I know the Bible's right, and I know if I don't understand it, my understanding is incomplete because the Bible can't be wrong, but I can be wrong. And so when I read things in the Bible, and I, and I see them and they don't make sense to me, I know it's my understanding and not the Scripture because the Scripture is perfect. It declares that for itself. But I know for sure that I called on the name of the Lord and didn't get saved. I know for sure. There was, there was a handful of times. Um, my sister's in the room. My mother's in the room. They, they can tell you that this is reality. This is just saying, listen, preachers will lie. But I'm not lying right now. There, there were many times when I came home drunk, before Christ, hugging that porcelain God, praying to that porcelain God, oh, God, if you make this room stop spinning. Anybody ever had a room spinning on them? You know what's next. You're about to fill up that toilet from your mouth. And guess what happens after stuff stop, starts coming? It ain't over. Once them dry heaves, any atheist is begging God once the dry heaves kick in. I'm like, man, I called on the Lord. Save me. But that ain't what the Bible's talking about. But then even, I go further back in my existence when I was in the third grade. The preacher said, if you don't want to die and go to hell, come down right now and pray this prayer with me. And I thought, hmm. It might not have impacted me so deeply, but my sister had done it the week before. And he said, if you don't want to go to hell, I thought, well, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not stupid. I just look like this. I, I don't want to spend forever in hell. So I walked out. man said, pray this prayer to me. Blah, 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 blah. Turned around. He said, this is little Scotty Becker. And he comes today by profession of faith to join our church. If anybody rejoices in his decision and is willing to receive him into the fellowship of our church, let it be known by, amen. And everybody clapped. And I thought, check me out. Third grader got all these people clapping for me. And he said, you're going to need to get baptized. I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. Never resulted in me following God. Didn't follow God. God, God wasn't the center of my life. I walked an aisle and prayed a prayer because I saw other people do it. And I wasn't really looking for God that deep. But I thought, hey, he said, if I call on him, he'll save me. I called on him, and he didn't save me because I didn't call right. If, if Elaine, raise your hand, Elaine. If Elaine said, give me a call anytime, day or night, but she gave me Nancy's, raise your hand, Nancy. If she gave me Nancy's phone number, anybody think I'm going to get Elaine calling Nancy's phone number? No, I called the wrong way. There's a right and a wrong way to call. So I prayed and asked God to save me many times, mostly when I was in a jam. I called on God from a jail cell one time. I called on God from the back of a police car one time. I called on God from a bathroom floor. How many of y'all know there's just something about that cold tile that makes you think you're going to live through it? Lay my face on that cold tile. Jesus! Jesus! Did not result in real salvation for me. So how many times do you have to walk an aisle? How many times do you have to pray a prayer? How many times do you have to call on God to get true biblical salvation? I'm going to tell you, as many as it takes till you get it right. 
But it only takes getting it right once. Because the Bible says what God does, he does forever. And, and the fact that it never took for me was not a problem on God. It was a problem on me. I wasn't calling the right way because last verse I'm going to read for you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And on July 15, 1981, I came in that night. I saw a little red Bible sitting on my nightstand that I hadn't read in years. And I picked it up and I started reading it. Nobody in that room but me and the Spirit of God and that little red Bible. And I started flipping pages and God began to reveal himself to me. I got on my knees and I prayed. And this is what I prayed. And it's an odd prayer because none of y'all, well, Dina knows me. Uh, None of y'all know who Jimmy is. I was friends with the pastor's youngest son, John. He had an older brother, Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, last time I saw Jimmy, he was leaning. Y'all remember those green electrical boxes they used to put in people's front yards? Uh, Jimmy was leaned up against an electrical box three doors down from his pastor daddy's house, tied off with a needle stuck in his arm where he was doing heroin, or as we commonly refer to it on the west side of Jacksonville, heron. And here's what I prayed. Uh, Because I knew what Jimmy was doing. And Jimmy wasn't doing anything God wanted Jimmy to be doing. But he was telling everybody he was a Christian because he was the pastor's son. And, and here's news for you. Being the pastor's son don't make you a Christian. Having a mother or grandmother who was a prophetess don't make you a Christian. Having a daddy that was a deacon don't, don't make you a Christian. And I prayed this prayer, and it was, it was odd, but it's just what came out of my mouth. I said, God, please save me. Not like Jimmy. I want to be saved like Peter, James, and John. I want to have real salvation. I truly want to be a Christian. And see, that's when I stepped in to Jeremiah 29, 13, and I sought for God with all my heart, and he found me, and he saved me, and he changed my life. And I began to share with other people, and then my sister saw the change in me, and she got saved. My mom thought... and. True story. My mom called the church I was attending to and said, nobody goes to church seven days a week. What brainwashing have y'all done to my son? My mom just thought I was a crazed, deranged drug addict. I've always been a black sheep of my family, and she just thought I was on some new weird thing. But when my sister got saved, and then my mom saw the change in both of us, then my mom got saved. And the Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, and so will everybody in your house. And a couple years later after that, my little brother who's now in heaven with Jesus, he got saved. And it doesn't come from coming to church. It doesn't come from doing good works. It doesn't come from walking aisles and praying prayers. It comes when you seek for God with all your heart. And there are some people in this room you've walked aisles before, and you know you're still not saved. There are people in this room you called on the Lord, and you know you're still not saved. It's not that God didn't keep his part. God said if you call on him... You will be saved, but you have to call the right way. You got to dial the right number, and you got to be looking for God with all your heart. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here and you're not saved, I want to give you an opportunity to acknowledge Good Friday that you believe that Jesus was a real person, and He died on the cross so that you could be made right with God. And He took your sins and He made payment for it by the shedding of His blood and the giving of his life. I want I want to get you to where you acknowledge Good Friday. And I want to take you right past 
waiting on what's next Saturday. Because too many people are stuck waiting on what's next. And I want to get you right into Resurrection Sunday. You can be born again today. I'm not talking about becoming a better person, a religious person, or joining a church. I'm talking about going from the person you are right now to the person that God created you to be. When God saved me, I had such a huge awareness of the weight that had been taken off me. The guilt and the stain and the shame of sin was removed because God says he chooses to forgive our sins and to remember them no more. And I want to give you an opportunity today, if you're willing, to seek him with all your heart where you can be saved today. Right now, I want everybody in the room, bow the head, close their eyes. I'm going to ask Elder Keon and Dina Mills to come up front. I'm going to have them come up front. And if you're here, I, we're not going to go through the whole raise your hand thing that, that we've done before. But the Bible says that if you confess Jesus before people, God, that he'll confess you before his father on judgment day. Jesus didn't call disciples privately. He called them publicly. There are no secret disciples. God is looking for people to embrace him and to do it with all their heart. And we're about, we're about to have a time of invitation. And if you want to be saved, I want you to come. Take this, this man or this woman by their hand. Uh, uh, we, we got a, a man up here for the men, a woman up here for the women. And I want you to come and let one of these servants of God pray with you so that you could have real salvation. Because here's the reality. Easter is here. Good Friday has passed. Waiting on Saturday has passed. Today is Easter, and this day will pass as well. And I don't know how many days left you will have, but tomorrow's not promised. And if you're ready to become everything that God wanted you to be, I want you to choose today as your day of salvation. Pray with me. God, thank you for sending your son to die for us on the cross. Thank you for Good Friday. Thank you for Saturday. And thank you for resurrection. God, I pray right now for every person in this room, Lord, that you would begin even now to show those who aren't right with you that they need real salvation. And God, I pray that you would give them the faith. You said that no one can come unless you draw them. God, I pray you'd do your work now. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.